Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What is up, Freckled Foodie fam? Uh, Today's episode is a solo episode. My voice is kind of shit a little hoarse I don't really know what's happening um well I do know what's happening I went a little hard this weekend um I knew that it's Monday right now as I'm recording this after the wedding that I won't stop posting about on TikTok and Instagram but I knew that I wasn't gonna have the like mental capacity to dive into a deep or like emotional topic so this episode is just gonna be a life lately I been writing down on my phone this week things that I want to cover. So we've got a lot going on and it's going to go a multitude of different directions, but really this is just like a catching up. So we'll see. Hopefully you guys enjoy this and maybe we'll add some more along the way in the future. Come on in, take a seat. First, I guess we'll start with some of my notes and then we can dive into this past weekend. Um, I mentioned that I, I don't know, I think I mentioned it on here, maybe. I think I mentioned that I'm working with a dietitian. I know I said it on my Instagram stories, but I've been working with a, diet- a dietitian from Kulina Health. I had the founder, Vanessa Rossetto, on. You guys can listen to that episode if you're interested more in what they're doing, but I personally, this is something that I have kind of like skipped over touching on in depth just because I I don't want people coming for me over it. And I also understand that not many people experience this and it can be triggering for some humans. Uh, I don't know why I said humans, people. But basically, I felt like I don't know what really went into it, whether it was the just new world of being a mother and like kind of going nonstop or the fact that like I've changed my workouts or I just feel more food freedom and I'm not like hoarding quote unquote healthy foods in fear of like when I'll eat again and therefore overeating. Either way, postpartum, I've lost weight, my baby weight, and then I guess some. And I've gotten messages commenting on my body asking like, oh oh my God, you look thinner than you looked before, baby. Or what are you doing? And I... It's such an uh, like awkward topic, I guess, because I don't know. There's like a lot to unpack there of maybe why I feel uncomfortable talking about it. But I 
ended up losing a decent amount of weight and not trying to at all and kind of confused on how. And I was at the doctor recently for a checkup and that was when I actually found out how much I weighed and it was less than I want to weigh. And that's why I started working with the dietitian because I wanted to gain some weight and then make sure that especially like I'm not losing any more weight and also just make sure everything was like okay. Cause it wasn't active. So I didn't understand what was happening. Um, I got blood work done. Everything is fine. So there's nothing medically wrong. But I am working with a dietitian to make sure that I'm not losing any more weight and to put on a little bit of weight because I don't personally, I didn't like how thin I was. And that's, I think, something that might, I don't know, maybe people are confused by that. Maybe people understand. But it's just, I feel also that my body got to a place where like, it's just the comfortable place for it to be if that makes sense by working out based on what I'm craving and how I feel and eating when I'm hungry and stopping when I'm full and not like obsessing over food and I also think that my mental health plays a huge role in that when you're anxious you're stressed you're inflamed you're on edge like that I feel just generally so much fucking happier and then of course like maybe the final straw was also like giving up alcohol maybe I didn't realize that that was impacting my physical self that much. Either way, I've been working with the dietitian and I know I said somewhere, someone messaged me asking, I wanted to touch on how it's been going and I really enjoyed working with her. It's all virtual. And basically like when we started, she was like, okay, I want you to do a food journal just so I can, so I can see what you're eating. And I said off the bat, I was like, look, I have an obsessive past. I don't want to like really food journal a lot at all because I think that's really easy for me to then get into behavior that I don't want to touch back into. Um, but they use this platform that's really simple because you just take a picture. So I wasn't like tracking anything. I was just photographing. She's like, just act like your food influencer for the week. And I was like, oh, that's funny because that's what I do. Um, but I was just snapping pictures and uploading it to the app. And then she was like, okay, this is helpful. Now if you can just do it twice next week and then we'll be done journaling. But what I can say is what we focused on is adding in more protein. And I think that's maybe where I was lacking and – Ever since, like, we basically decided how many grams of protein I need a day. And then if I'm eating three meals and two snacks, which is, like, the norm and what I enjoy doing, breaking down how much protein I want in my meals and then how much protein. So I think it's, like, 20-ish grams of protein for my meals and then 5 to 10 grams of protein for my two snacks. And that's been helpful for me because that's where I felt, like, lost. I feel like... I was like not hungry or nothing was like of interest to me, but I was feeling like lightheaded, not like kind of hungry, but not, I can't explain it. Just not satiated. Is that a word? Maybe. And this has been so helpful for me. And one of the biggest things is with snacking, making sure I'm having higher protein snacks. So like cheese sticks, almonds, go macro bars. My ritual shake honestly has been the best thing I've been doing. I have one of those as my mid morning snack every morning. So I don't know if I've gained weight because I don't have a scale, but I definitely can feel that I, I know I haven't lost weight. I think I've gained a little bit of weight and I feel very comfortable with where I'm at now. And it was just really helpful to have a professional, which is what I wanted. I wanted a professional to just take a look at what I was doing, make sure that nothing was like standing out and then helping me get to a place where I'm comfortable. And 
I actually, one of my friends, Brittany Lancaster, has been talking about this. Like, it's really confusing to be in a smaller body accidentally and happy when you've dealt with healing in terms of your relationship with your body and food. Because it feels like, uh, I think honestly the reason it's confusing I think is because if you have a platform and you talk about these things, then it's like, well, how do I also explain that I'm really fucking happy now even though I'm in a smaller body and it's not because I'm in a smaller body, but that also doesn't negate how happy I was in a larger body. So it's something I'm still unpacking and I haven't talked about a lot. I also haven't talked about it a lot because I think there's so much on the internet that's just bullshit around bounce back culture and, you know, what you should be doing, what you should be eating, what you, all this stuff from people who aren't fucking trained in these fields. And also I could tell people what I eat in a day or the exact workout routine I do. And we're not going to look the same. It is literally mostly genetics. And I know people like, don't want to hear that but also people hate saying that because they think it like negates what they've done that's not true it's like privileges it doesn't mean that you like might not work out whatever but a lot of it's just fucking genetics and I think that the postpartum physicality is a very touchy subject and I think that there are people doing amazing work in this space who have a lot to say on this topic and are in bodies that are not fitting the typical media norm that we've been sold and they are really empowering women in postpartum with their content and I feel like that's just maybe not my like I just don't feel my story is the one that should be like screamed from the mountaintop so I am learning I have learned over the past years of this work to like realize when it's the right time for me to use my voice and when it's the right time to really just like take a step back and have other people have more space for their voice and I think that's the time where I just take a step back and maybe like hope that other people or that people find these other amazing women telling their stories I feel like that was just like a mental dump and none of that made sense but there we go so that's my dietitian check off the list of things I wanted to cover okay the other thing I talked about on a TikTok. Oh, I talked about it on my Instagram too. Is that it's so interesting to me that I've been like exponentially happier with my life the past few months. Like happiness I didn't know was possible. And it's really easy for me if I'm like frustrated or I want to vent about something or complain or whatever. It's so easy for me to like open my phone and just like say it all out there or create content around it. And honestly, I've seen people say like when I'm depressed, not me, but I do agree with this. When I'm depressed, I make the best like or funniest content because there's that aspect of like shared experience, rolling this together. You're not alone. And I think that plays into why some of my trolls are like, all you do is fucking complain. Okay, yeah, maybe you think that. And yes, maybe a lot of my content is focused on that or is focused in that realm of like sharing this experience or venting. But I will say the reason why, and this is what I've noticed, is that it's really confusing on not what to share, but like how to create or 
I don't know what the word is, but when you're really happy, like I don't have the interest in getting on Instagram and being like, I'm so happy. Like, yeah, I am so happy, but I feel A, that I'm just not interested in getting on social at that time, even to consume. Like I'm busy fucking living my life because I'm happy. But B, it's like, what am I going to say? I'm so happy. And then people are like, okay, good for you. I mean, actually, like a lot of you are like, I'm so happy for you. This makes me so happy. Please share more when you're this happy. But it's more just like, in my mind, and this is my like, critical version of like myself and my work. I'm like, well, what is this providing? What are these doing? Like, is this going to make someone feel worse about themselves? And maybe that's what it is, is I never want someone to look at my content and feel less than so then or like, feel jealous isn't the right word, but comparative and so then I'm like well if I share how happy this is so fucked up but I'm like but if then I share how happy I am then someone will be like well that's not relatable or I can't be that happy or this is so fake oh my god how fucked up it is to live in the life in the mind of a creator who like deals with people in their dms but anyway I do think it's confusing on how to like share or show up, I guess, when you are your happiest. So I'm honestly just kind of living my fucking life and trying to share as much as I can of like what I'm doing and bringing you guys along. But it's really interesting to me because on the flip side then as consumers, a lot of what we're seeing is more not negative focused, but not as positive uplifting and I don't think that's healthy for us either. So it's something that I want to keep in mind, I guess, moving forward as a creator and simultaneously as a consumer. Um, the other thing I did that I posted about was, okay, date nights for us are very important, but have completely like kind of taken a backseat. And I know you're probably thinking like, what the fuck? I see you all the time out and about. Yes. However, us like having fun at a wedding is so important and is so much fun for us. But I also think it's really important to plan and like set aside time for just the two of you, which we, I don't think have done the best job of recently. And that's because our summer's so busy and, you know, it feels like we're playing catch up in life at all times, just like going from one place to the next. But we both really want to make it more of a priority and, I saw this TikTok that I love that honestly we've been saying for months we're going to do. So maybe September will be the month that we do it. But where you have two set date nights a month, like locked in, obviously you can do more. And with this is more if you have a child, because I think that you probably are doing more if you don't have kids. But with kids, it just adds on a different factor. And you lock in two dates and one of you you each plan one of the dates and one day is at home and one day is out of the home. And then the next month you switch who plans the home one and the out of home one. And I said this to Joe and originally he felt like overwhelmed by the idea. He's like, Oh my God, you have to plan these elaborate things. And I'm like, no, it's literally like, okay, if you're planning the at home date, it's like, I'm ordering, I've planned that we're going to order this takeout and we're going to watch this movie. Like it can be that simple. Um, and if you're doing the out of home date, it's like, I made the reservation or we're going to go to this place and go see this, whatever. I just think it's such a good idea to do. And at the beginning of the month, you lock in the dates. So you have them ready to go. So that is my goal for September. But I felt like we had been really busy with 
life and both really busy with work that we hadn't taken much time to just like sit with the two of us. Quite honestly, also, I was in the midst of my romance novels and you guys know that I have very obsessive behavior with those. And the A Court of Thorn and Roses series just fully fucking took me in. If you read them, you understand. I became obsessed. So at night, like we'd put Liam down and then I'd want to read and I'd just be like, Joe, you can watch like your sports or whatever shows you're watching without me. However, I felt like we had not had time, like the two of us and I, to be, I don't know. I felt like that missed connection. And so he was in the office on Thursday and I took the opportunity to like set it up. Cause that's the other thing. If you work from home with your partner, this was another thing that someone said. They were like the idea or not the idea, the reality of going to a date restaurant bar, whatever with your partner, where you're like leaving home, you're getting ready together and you're leaving home together. It is a different experience than if you meet at the restaurant where it's like, you're getting ready alone and you're, you, you see them there. And it's this like, I I can't explain it, but there's a different vibe, a different energy, different feeling. So maybe we'll try and implement date nights on the nights out that he goes to the office to literally instill that. However, this all brings me to the point of he was in the office and I was like, Oh my God, I finally have an opportunity to like set something up without him knowing like that act of surprise, I guess the factor. And he went to the office and I was like, Liam, we're going to set something up fun. And we had just gotten rid of our coffee table because now that Liam's standing and kind of on the move and it just, it was an accident waiting to happen with like the metal thing surrounding and glass. And I just, every time I kept thinking I'm going to regret this when he eventually falls and like hits his head. So we got rid of the coffee table and now we just have this huge empty space because I couldn't find anything I liked to replace it. And we have this sick air mattress and I just like blew it up and used our extra sheets to make a bed because we don't have a TV in our bedroom. And I like brought out our games. We love to play cards and backgammon. And I was like, we're going to have a night hanging out in this bed, playing games, ordering takeout, having our drinks. Like I made a mocktail. He had a drink and then watching a new show. And it was like so simple, like things that we would have done. Okay, fine. We would have sat on the couch and like eat and take out and watch the show. But it, this is so fucking pathetic, but it really just, it just felt different because there was effort put into it and it was a different scenery. And if you're a parent, you understand that like it all becomes so, um, repetitive in a sense like especially our nights our nighttime routine and like all these things and it just added a sense of different vibe and also Joe's love language is acts of service and he was having a really hard week and I think this was like a very kind act of service I know Joe I know you listen to every episode on my end I know that how much I would love it if an act of service like that was done for me. Wink, wink. Okay. The other thing, this, I like hesitated sharing on Instagram stories. I did add it to my close friends, but I just could see people like taking this the wrong way. But I guess if you listen to my show, hopefully you enjoy my stuff. Otherwise, like why the fuck are you wasting your time? So maybe this will hit right with you guys. I can't explain to you something that happened to me recently last week, but it made me really feel like I am not mature enough to be a mother. I was in the park the other day, uh, 
I guess two weeks ago. And I saw this little kid like in the corner, kind of hidden, sitting on like a travel toilet. And this was the first time I had seen something like this. And I guess what I realized is that if you're potty training, maybe you bring these like travel toilets with you because if they say they have to go to the bathroom, you want them like to be going in a toilet instead of their diapers. So I was like, okay, I guess that's something that like maybe people do. Oh my God. Like, are we going to have to do that? But whatever. I just kind of let it slide. Two days later, (laughs) I walk into our park and there's a girl. I don't know how old she was. Like whatever age you are where you're potty training, but she kind of looked a little old. But she's sitting on one of these travel toilets, okay? Fine. I understand you're trying to potty train your kid. I totally get it. But she is literally at the entrance of the park. So you walk in the main entrance of the park. She's just like right there in front. Like not at all to the side or hidden. Right there. Sitting on on this toilet. She's ass fucking naked pushing out her shit. And I'm just like, what? What is happening here? Like, so many things. One, why is she butt naked? Two, she looked a little old. Three, why are we at the literal entrance of the park? She was there for 10 plus minutes. And I wish I could, like, I mean, obviously I did not photograph this. But I wish I could, like, explain the scene. It was her just butt naked with these, like, sparkly jelly shoes sitting on this travel potty. But, like, knees up in the air, like, arms on her knees like fists under her chin like she was posing for a picture but just pushing so hard to get this shit out and like I just felt this I felt so little like maybe this shouldn't be funny I don't know maybe other parents listening to this are like why the fuck are you even laughing at this but to me maybe I'm immature I was just absolutely hysterical. I was trying so hard not to laugh that tears were rolling down my face while I was on the swings with Liam. And it was in this moment that I realized maybe I am not mature enough to be a parent. I don't know, but I can't imagine when that time comes for us to be doing this thing. I I, mean, I don't know. Does, does everyone do this? I have no fucking idea. But it was just, I, I don't know why I cannot get over it. And then the main thing I want to talk about is the wedding this weekend and you're probably like shut the fuck up about this wedding we've heard enough no you will never hear enough because quite honestly other than our wedding it was the best night of my life okay like sorry I take that back obviously like having Liam but I mean celebrating like party wise it was so much fun so for context Danny is one of my best friends from college and her now husband was one of our closest guy friends in college and they started dating senior year so he was like our person and it was so great that when they started dating because we just loved him so much he was already like in our friend group and the wedding has been four years in the making because of COVID and it was our entire college group and I just had so many emotions throughout the entire weekend and now reflecting on it that I want to unpack with you it's Monday as I record this so it's post-therapy and I unpacked it with her and she had some also interesting insight but There's something about seeing someone you love so much be so happy and filled with such pure joy and happiness and just love and excitement. And 
I told my therapist, like, I could not stop crying. And yes, I usually cry at weddings. Like, okay, I'll, like, tear up and, like, some tears roll down my face seeing my friends, like, walk down the aisle or commit to the person that they're with to spend the rest of their lives with or be celebrated in such ways. But I was hysterical. So walking down the aisle, I was like, wow, jittery, like all eyes on us. And then standing up there at watching her walk down the aisle, I started to tear up. And then when they did their vows, I like kind of cried. And then it was something about them like breaking the glass, kissing. It was a Jewish ceremony. Well, yeah, it was Jewish. They did the breaking of the glass, um, kissing and then exiting together. Like I was hysterical and then as like you know we what's it called like recession whatever when you meet back up with the groomsmen and you walk out Sean who was like my best guy friend from college we walked down the aisle together he like met me to leave and I'm hysterical he's like what the fuck are you doing I could not stop crying so as I'm walking out of the wedding down the aisle and we pass by Joe Joe's like are you okay I was a mess and then at the after party like their song came on the playlist that we were playing and they were dancing and everyone was so happy. And I just started hysterically crying and I'm like, I could not control myself. And then Danny was singing Celine Dion, whoa, Celine Dion, who is like her number one. Um, it's all coming back to me now, which you guys know, I fucking love that song. And that's what we sang karaoke at her bachelorette. And just seeing her so filled with happiness, I was a wreck. Just the tears could not stop. And I was talking to my therapist about this today. And I think there are a lot of things that went into it. One, like I was just so happy to begin with. Two, it really is seeing the people that you love living their best life. Like there's nothing better. There is nothing better than that pure joy. And three, she said, which is true. I think ever since becoming a parent, it's so all consuming and my life is so focused on Liam and it can feel so one task to the next and never really like sitting with my emotions or by myself or letting myself feel everything. And these times where I'm away from Liam and free in a sense, it just kind of all rushed out of me. And it was such an, amazing, interesting, eye-opening, emotional experience. The other thing is that my college group of friends is such an incredible group of women. Like we all were in the same sorority together. So we all became friends sophomore year. And then our relationships really deepened like junior and then especially senior year. And it's been a really interesting ride to now reflect on because and this ties into the other subject that I want to touch on of not drinking because when we all graduated, um, nine of, of the 10 moved to New York City or no, eight of the 10 moved to New York City and we spent so much time together. We did everything together. It was like every weekend when we were going out, group dinners, all of these things. And I felt for a very long time that like drinking culture was never for me. I always felt like I didn't fit in with drinking culture because the concept of being in an apartment and pre-gaming out of like red solo cups with like water ice, like what is the word? Like melted ice, tequila, soda, like trying to drink literally to get drunk and then go to a bar at 12. Like 
it was never something I wanted to do, but I felt like because everyone was doing it, I had to do it, which I didn't, but I felt that way. And because of that, I think I personally, without anything that anyone did, separated myself a bit because it just wasn't of interest to me. And I think because my confidence and or ego felt a little excluded by behavior because I felt I couldn't fully relate. And I think there were a lot of things going into it. I think it was A, my job was very, very demanding right out of college where I couldn't be hungover at work and I needed more sleep because I was at the office at 6.30. And B, my mental health did not handle hangovers well. C, I didn't like getting drunk, so I wasn't drinking to get drunk. And then therefore, I put stuff on myself that made me feel excluded. It was nothing that other people were doing. It was just me in my own head. And then I think I put like a little bit of distance between myself and some other people. And then there were like subgroups created. And then I was like, well, now I feel excluded. And I just think it was such a narrative that I told myself that I'm now on the other side of unpacking. And now I have such a fucking like profound gratitude for this group in the sense of we are able to, when we are back together, like it, it, it is just the most fun. It is rowdy, judgment-free, there to have a good time, simply want to have fun, happiness. And I used to feel really, I, I guess, self, I don't know if self-conscious the right, is the right word, but I would tell myself these narratives when we would all spend time together in our mid-20s of like, Oh, I I don't even fully, I can't even touch back into the narratives. And also I'm like respecting people's privacy in a sense, but I just didn't feel confident as myself. And it is so incredible to now have this newfound confidence within me that I'm able to have confidence within relationships that I'm able to fully enjoy people. And this group to me really emulates that and shows this and is like the prime example of this where I'm just so grateful for them and I have such a new and profound gratitude for where we all are in our lives and what we mean to each other and it's been really incredible and a real journey for me and another thing I was saying with my therapist is I feel the happiest I've ever been but also the most like confident in myself and the best version of myself and I think so much of it has to do with not drinking. And even this weekend, my cousin, who has seen me at my fucking worst, like she has seen me in the worst versions of myself, she was like, what are you on? And this was Friday night when I wasn't on anything. And she's like, You're, does your face hurt? Like you have not stopped smiling. You're literally permanently smiling. I've never seen you like this. And she's right. Like I'm not normally someone who's just like smiling all the time whatsoever. And then my other friend was like, I've never seen you this happy, this glow, like you are just thriving. And it was so, I guess, reaffirming to me because I do feel, and even you guys in my DMs, like just me sharing things, you're like, you are glowing like you've never glowed before. You're, you have this new aura to yourself that you haven't had. And I think a lot of it also is in a deep comparison of me in my postpartum depression where I was just not in a good place mentally at all and coming out of that and finding my new self. But it's also so deeply tied into the no alcohol 
but not on the surface level of, oh, I just feel better not drinking. And this is what my therapist and I unpacked. Yes, obviously there's the, I'm not run down. I'm not hungover. I'm not, you know, mentally I'm clearer mentally. I feel better. I'm less anxious. I'm way less depressed. Those things all play a huge role. But it's more so that now I think I've confirmed this deep level of confidence in myself because I'm finally doing what I want to do. And it's confirming that I was always right, that my beliefs were always true, that my inner conscious was always correct, and that I can continue to do that and do what I want to do and follow my heart and therefore untap the best version of myself. I knew that I never wanted to like, I I just thoroughly didn't enjoy drinking culture. Like I knew it wasn't for me, but I refused to let myself step outside the mold because I was nervous what people would think of me or how I would fit in. Or I just felt like it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing by stepping outside of it. And then when I finally let go of it and realized how amazing I felt and realized how happy I was and realized that it's not for me, it was this confirmation of, oh, I do know myself. Oh, I was right all along. Like, what else am I doing just because I'm trying to fit a mold? What else am I doing because maybe other people are doing it? Like, how else can I follow my inner conscience and inner voice? And that, I think, is what has untapped the confidence. It's that I do know myself. I do know what's best for me. And I don't have to do what everyone else is doing. And neither do you. Whether it's how you want to dress, whether it's how you want to spend your time, whether it's how you want to exercise, whether it's the relationships you want to be in, the food you want to eat, what you want to do with your time. Like, you know yourself best. And we are in such a world of overconsumption and comparison when it comes to social media that it's so easy to feel like we have to do something that someone else is doing simply because that's the mold that we want to fit in. Or if everyone's doing this, then I have to dress that way to be cool or follow these trends. And you really don't. You have to do what you want to do. That is when you will untap the most wonderful parts of yourself. That is when you will find this new confidence. That is when you will live your happiest life. And to me, that's what the choice of not drinking represents because for so long, I was jealous of people that weren't drinking and I knew I wanted to do it, but I felt like I couldn't. And now that I've done that and I've noticed how happy I am, it has untapped a whole new level of confidence that spreads throughout my whole life. So... I guess the moral of the story is follow whatever the fuck you feel you want to do and don't try to follow the crowd. So to wrap it all up, um, evidently I find kids shitting naked in parks hysterically funny and more protein snacks for me and um, going to weddings is the fucking best thing ever. I love weddings. Honestly, if you guys invited me to your wedding, I would show up. I would show up. And mushrooms still rule. I love, love, love mushrooms and microdosing. And alcohol is not for me. I'm not a drinking culture girly. And I'm proud of it. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this random fucking ramble of thoughts. And we will be back with interviews. I'm trying to decide next week if I'm going to... I actually think we are going to pause next week. It's my vacation And I don't want to like release an episode and not promote it and just have it get lost. So we will be pausing next week, probably 
if there's an episode out next week during my vacation, you're listening to this and you're confused, then I decided, I guess, just to release it. But I hope you all have a wonderful day, night, morning, rest of your week, whenever you're listening to this. And again, thank you so much for listening to my show. It means the world to me. Quite honestly, you guys are my fucking people. If you are a podcast listener, you want a different tier than the Freckled Foodie fam. You are my ride or dies. I love you and have a great day. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.